it's a little bit more scary speaking than singing for some reason, <laughs> even though I'm in front of you every week. But I just wanted to thank Pastor Terry for trusting me with this position and this um, place on the platform to speak into your hearts. Um, that's one thing that, um, a gift that he has always had. He finds the gold in every person that he meets and he knows how to pull it out. And I think that's just a blessing to have in a pastor. Um, I know it's Mother's Day and I'm presumably supposed to talk to the mothers, but um, I feel that the word God has given me today is for everyone in this place. Um, I know women, because I am one, <laughs> we're just, <laughs> we are hard on ourselves. We are very hard on ourselves. We always are um, wondering if we're good enough, if we're doing enough, if we could be more or do more. But I kind of think that um, many men also have those same questions about themselves. So the title of my message this morning is Choose to Believe. It's the battle of the ages. It's always been a war over the mind. Who will you choose to believe? Your circumstances? Your feelings? The voice of the enemy ringing in your ear? Or will you choose to believe the word of the Lord? Last Sunday, um, Pastor Terry said something that just was like, stopped me right in my tracks. He said, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, Satan put doubt in their mind. He said, did God really say that? And I was like, I don't know. I've heard that before, but it just hit me a little different. When we doubt what we know to be the word of the Lord, we are coming into agreement with Satan rather than into agreement with God. We are actually speaking like Satan. That stopped me in my tracks. Just the doubt of his word puts me in Satan's mind instead of the mind of God. When we are followers of Christ, we are supposed to talk like him, look like him, love like him, believe like him, believe what he says is true. It is his heart for us to tru truly believe what he says and believe everything he says is true. What we say and do from that point of reference is communicating his love to ourselves and to the people around us. If we don't love ourselves, we can't love others. And for us to love ourselves, we have to believe what God says about us. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, it talks about um, we are to understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is for us. He, the creator of everything in heaven and earth, loves you. He made you. He made his home in your heart. 
which means we carry his strength, his power, his love inside us from the minute we ask him into our life. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that excites me. It gives me just a little bit more confidence. It is not I, but Christ who lives in me. It is not who I think I am or what I think I can do or not do, but who God says I am and what God says I can do. Proverbs 35 says, every word of God is pure. And Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. His word is pure. He does not lie. Therefore, we have every reason to believe what he says is true. That includes everything he says about us. Let's look at um, some scripture. I know I've quoted some, but let's actually read it um, verse for verse. My favorite scripture, my favorite chapter, is Psalm 139. God has spoke to me over and over and over again over the years out of this chapter, helping me learn to believe what he says is true, helping me learn to believe that he truly loves me. Now, today I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation, and I will um, preface this like Pastor Terry prefaced last week with the Message Bible. Um, This is a very descriptive, poetic version of the Bible. When I study the word, I use my references and everything else, but just to sit and read like a devotional, I love um, this this translation. And um, ever since I read Psalm 139 out of this translation, I can hardly read it out of any other because of the beauty, and the way it makes me feel loved. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul. You understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. You know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Huh, I gotta say that again. <laughs> And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand on me. This is just too wonderfully deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings wonder and strength. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. I fly with the wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly to the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. 
Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There is no difference between the two. You formed my inmost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complete. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body. When you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing into something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly, your every thought. Oh God, your desire towards me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake each morning, you're still with me. <laughs> God's love is great. Let's look at some more um, scripture. We are chosen by God. If that didn't say enough, there's scriptures all throughout the word. In Jeremiah 1.5, God tells Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us before the foundations of the world. John 15.14-16 says, we are not called servants, but friends. He chose us. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, created for good works and should walk in them. Isaiah 43, 1 says, I have called you by your name. You are mine. Yeah. He also made us for a purpose. Each and every one. Exodus 9, 16 says, we have his power in us that his name will be declared in all the earth. Acts 26, 16 talks about him him appearing for the purpose of making us ministers and witnesses of what he reveals to us. John 15, 5 through 8 states, I am the vine, you are the branch. He wants us to bear fruit and be his disciples. Ephesians 5, 8, 9 says, we are the light of the world. We need to walk as children of light, and the fruit of the Spirit is righteousness and truth. So if we 
are the fruit of the Spirit and the light of the world, then we are called to live and walk in the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But like I said, if we don't believe deep in our hearts how much God really loves us, that he chose us for a purpose, and that he has a plan and purpose for our life to fulfill on this earth, then we can't live out all of those things. We get stuck in our pain, our grief, our fear, depression, anxiety, inadequacy, and whatever we struggle with. So let's go back to the very beginning. In the beginning, God. He created everything. He spoke everything into existence. Do you think he had a plan? Just think of an artist, a sculptor, a builder. Don't they have a plan before they begin? Often they sit with their imaginations and let it run wild with the possibilities, their hopes and dreams of what they are able to create. So think of it. We were created in the mind of Christ before he created the heavens and the earth. He knew his plan to create us exactly what we would need and who he wanted us to be. He created this world for us. He knew we would need the sun to shine and the rain to fall and the food to eat, the oxygen to breathe. He knew all that we would need to live and thrive on this earth that he created. And so he created a perfect atmosphere for us to inhabit. Then his dream became a reality when he sculpted us into his own image. And then he breathed the breath of life into us. His breath. We are the very image and breath of God. <laughs> Genesis 1.27. So God created in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 2.7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Hmm. Doesn't all that make you feel just a little bit more loved? Maybe even a lot more loved? <laughs> the culture around us wants to make us feel like we need more than God's word to tell us who we are. That we need every self-help book on the shelf to figure out ourselves, but we just read that he formed us. He breathed life into us. Who better to tell us who we are and what we need than the one who made us? <laughs> 
I um, took a minute and I, I Googled the, the top 10 self-help books that of 2022. And here's just a couple titles. If you're so smart, why aren't you happy? <laughs> you are powerful. Simply self-love. Your mental mess. And the list goes on and on. But the first thing that stuck out to me was, they're all about you. <laughs> we are who we are because we're in Christ. He gave us an instruction manual. It should be the first place we turn when we want to know the truth about us. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. The NIV version says, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. <laughs> we receive divine instruction and guidance straight from God himself through the word. If we follow his loving eye, he will teach us to look where he looks, see what he sees, and that includes when we look at ourselves. The great maker of heaven and earth who made us, who are we not to believe what he says about us? Who are we not to believe we can do what he created us to do? He knew why the earth needed us. Why the people around us needed us. Why we needed specific talents and skills and gifts. If we aren't using those things because we don't think we have what it takes or we aren't good enough, then who's going to do them? The person next to you was created with different gifts and abilities, with their own purpose from God. You are good enough. You do have what it takes. He said so. The creator, the one who created you, said, you have everything you need in him. <clears throat> we all experience brokenness, despair, fear, unworthiness, disappointment. I, myself, um, don't take any of this for granted. I've had to fight in the spirit to believe these things. And every time I thought, okay, I've got it, something else comes along and says, well, maybe you need to work on that a little bit more. I was divinely set free from depression. An evangelist prayed over me, and the next morning I woke up singing the song, This is How It Feels to Be Free, by Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And I sang that song every morning on my heart for like six months, and I knew I was truly set free. There were times I had anxiety 
just the overwhelm and dread, it just all seemed a little bit too much. And my heart would pound and my body would tingle and my hands would turn to ice. And the only thing I could do was call on the name of Jesus. And he set me free. As a mother, the valleys and the despair of infertility plagued me for years. But God answered my prayer through adoption and gave me beautiful children. And soon, in just a few weeks, I get to be a grandmother. And this amazing husband that I have in our marriage of almost 31 years, I had to contend in the spirit in the beginning of that marriage to make it this far. So I know I don't take for granted anything that you're going through or anything that you're fighting. I understand. The only question is, how long are we going to let it stay? Will we let it take root, or will we feel it, deal with it, give it to God? Thanking him for a deeper level of intimacy with Christ that that experience has brought us to. Charles Spurgeon had a quote, You will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything else. Are we willing to go through whatever it takes to lay ourselves down, our rights, or quote rights, (laughs) so that we can experience the fullness of Christ and his plan in our life, laying down our expectations so we can experience the abundance he has for us. I will say at the root of everything I've experienced, the depression, the anxiety, the the marriage that almost didn't last, I had to lay down my expectations so that I could have the life God created for me. All right. So just for a few minutes, we're going to get really practical because I'm practical. And out of everything I know that I know God told me, he told me to uh, teach you this. So that's what we're going to (laughs) do. I'm going to teach you a breathing exercise. When I was um, in school to be a health coach, I learned this to use with my clients. Um, But I'm going to take you on a journey of how God unfolded the deeper levels of truth that I learned layer by layer. You know how you learn something, and then you learn just a little bit more, and then just a little bit more, and you're just like, your mind is blown, and you're like, God, you're so cool. (laughs) Like, you created that. You did that. It's just amazing. Okay, so the basic breath of this exercise is you breathe in, for a count of eight, not through your mouth, but only slowly through your nose. Because if you breathe in through your mouth, you take in the breath too quickly. You hold it for eight seconds, and then you breathe it out 
for eight more seconds. And you do this eight times. So let's just do one together so you can see what it feels like. So we're going to breathe in only through our nose. We're going to breathe out only through our nose. And we're not going to breathe in our chest. <gasps> we're going to breathe in deep through our diaphragm. So let's do it. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hold. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let it out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And you do that eight times. Let's talk about the physical benefits of doing this breathing exercise. There's actually finger-like follicles back in your nasal cavity, just because I think God's really cool when I learn how he created our bodies, too. <laughs> and when you breathe in only through your nose, and you do it slowly, it stimulates those little hair follicles so they move. And when that happens, it actually puts you in the state of relaxation immediately. See, when we breathe in through our mouth, we have the, that flight or fight kind of reaction to it. We, we don't become relaxed, so that's why we have to breathe in through our nose. There's also something called a vagus nerve that runs deep within our gut, which is why I said we have to breathe with our deep in our belly, our diaphragm. That nerve runs all the way up through right behind our nasal cavity, into our brain. So when you breathe like that, it stimulates that vagus nerve, which also stimulates your brain for relaxation and puts you in a reset. It's calm. It helps clear your mind. It oxygenates your blood. Um, you can use it like... As for an anxiety attack or any kind of worry, you can you know, use that exercise to calm yourself. You can use it actually for an afternoon pick-me-up, like instead of that 3 o'clock cup of coffee, <laughs> because we all got a, just a little bit tired. You can sit for just a couple minutes and do this breathing exercise, and it actually adds more oxygen to your blood, which gives us more energy. So... Um, that's the basics of it. But the next layer was um, a few years ago, I started learning about numbers in the Bible. Um, the first experience I had with that, my aunt prayed over me, and she tends to prophesy and see in numbers. And she was praying for me, and she, she gave me a number that she saw. And so I started researching that, and I started getting more and more interested because the Hebrew, when it was written, they have numbers for everything. And all their letters in the alphabet, they all stand for numbers, and it's just really cool how God put that together. And so I started looking up the number eight because everything about this breathing treatment, or not treatment, but exercise, is about the number eight. And eight is the number of new beginnings. So we do this exercise as a reset. It's a new beginning. 
we breathe eight breaths eight times, and we hold it for eight seconds. That's three eights. Eight in triplicate is the number for Jesus or new beginnings perfectly complete. So when we do this, we can remind ourselves <laughs> of Jesus. We're actually speaking the name of Jesus in our eights, in our eight breaths. In Revelations 21, 5 and 6, it says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Which means he is perfectly complete. If we are in him and believe what he says is true, then we are perfectly complete in him. <laughs> we do this, and I thought, well, what about the number three? Because we eight breaths, eight times, we hold for eight seconds, and even the number three means perfect completion. So we're breathing we're declaring the completeness of Christ. Now, one more layer. Um, I heard a pastor uh, talk about um, the breath of God. And then a few months later, there was um, like a, a saying in a picture that went around on Facebook and different things about the breath of God. And I want to read just a little bit of that for you. Um, it was originally written by Sandra Thurman Corporal. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just listen to this. In Exodus 3, Moses asked God what his name is. God answered, and the name he gave recorded in the original Hebrews as Yahweh. It's Y-H. W H. Over time, we've added an A and an E, presumably because language has changed and the vowels. And we like vowels, I guess. I don't know. They didn't like them in Hebrew. <laughs> I don't know why they added the A and the E. But scholars and rabbis have noted that the letter YHWH represents a breathing sound or aspirated consonants. When pronounced without intervening vowels, it actually sounds like breathing. It sounds like this. So a baby's cry, his first breath speaks the name of God. A deep sigh calls his name. A groan or gasp that is too heavy for mere words. Even an atheist who would speak his name unaware that their very breath is giving consent and acknowledgement to God. Likewise, a person leaves this earth with their last breath when God's name is no longer filling their lungs. So when we can't utter anything else, 
Is your cry calling out his name? Being alive means I speak his name constantly. So it is heard the loudest when I am the quietest. Simply breathing is giving him praise. Think about it. God chose to give himself a name that can't help but speak every moment we're alive, every breath we breathe. So this one simple tool, a simple breathing exercise, physically calms and resets the mind and body. But more than that, it reminds you God is perfectly complete and you are perfectly complete in him. It speaks his very name. So this morning, um, we had made these little keychains with that very picture of the YHWH um, for the moms that they can take and keep as a reminder to breathe. <laughs> breathe, mamas, breathe. <laughs> But actually, it's for all of us. We can breathe and speak the name of Jesus. We can breathe and remind ourselves who we are in Christ. We can breathe and let him tell us who we are. So I'm not going to have the worship team come up because I wanted to give them a chance to respond. And I want to challenge you. Normally, we are a church that likes to worship at the altar and pray at the altar during worship time. And not very often do we come up at the end. But I want to challenge you if there's anything in your life, no matter what it may be, grief, depression, anxiety, your physical health is a failing. Your marriage isn't working out so great. Anything, just anything at all that can put even a speck between you and the Lord, I want you to lay it down today. And when you leave here, choose not to pick it back up. We can decide. We get, we, the choice is ours. I'm not saying that I've, those things haven't tried to creep back in my life, a doubt or a fear or anything, but now I don't let it stay. Now it doesn't have permission to take root into my heart because the God of the universe told me who I was and that he loves me and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me it doesn't matter what society says about me about how skinny i am how fat i am how long my hair is how short my hair is or anything else in between god said he loved me and he created me for a plan and a purpose so this morning would you stand with me and we are going to open these altars now everyone in this place hopefully um, is a Christian 
has accepted God into their life. Pastor Terry did that first thing this morning in worship. So we should all belong to him, which means he's in here. We have his word. We have his confidence. We have his love. We have his power because he said it was true. So I just want to invite you to come and lay it down today. Anything that is coming between you and the Lord or just believing or putting that doubt because we don't want to speak like Satan. We want to speak like the Lord. We want to speak his word and his word alone. So we're just going to turn up the music. I'm going to pray and we're just going to spend some time surrendering to God. Oh, dear Father, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are and who you made us to be. God, we just lay ourselves down at the altar before you this morning because we want to be who you want us to be. We want to be the mothers, the fathers, the children, the spouses, and everything in between that you created us to be, Lord. We lay ourselves down so that we can be more like you, that we can be more like you to the world around us and to ourselves. We thank you, Lord, for that. In your name.